0: Go ahead, Ray. You, you worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting blob! Nothing but an unstable
1: short chain molecule. It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil, it's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend himself. He's the best in the West, with the rhymes close to his chest, like a vest. If you mess with him, you're going to get dismissed like a pest. Matt Walter, how you doing, son?
0: Wow, did you guys hear that? That was at least like six or seven lines rhyming, Devin. That's really I good. I even That's broke up the
1: statico of the flow. You like that? You know, like two to one and one to two? Yeah, yeah I, I know you would. Man. Change it up. We're back again, ladies and gentlemen, another fabulous day in San Diego, operating out of our new studio. How are you doing today, Mr. Watson?
0: I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Another beautiful day in this neighborhood again, and the sun is shining. We're going to talk about some really great things. We've had some really good podcasts this year, 2016. We've been starting it off right. Been hitting it every other couple weeks. Uh, things are going really good. Got another good topic uh, to talk about today, uh, the FBI versus Apple and uh, some of the stuff that's in the news has been spilling over. Uh, this has been talked about now for um, about a year or so uh, since the San Bernardino shooting, the Paris attacks, uh, encryption on phones and the problems that uh, the FBI and other government agencies are having. Getting into those phones to access these data and uh, Devin's going to talk a little bit more uh, about the story uh, so you guys have a little bit of the background and we'll jump right in and, uh, and talk about our own views and uh, a
1: little bit on both sides of of this issue. Yeah, and and as a primer to what you said before, Matt, uh, you know, we've already had some really enjoyable podcasts this year, I'm glad we've kept the momentum going, I'm looking forward to, you know, trying some new topics, doing some more interviews and stuff like that, but this is a really interesting topic this week, we have Apple versus the FBI, you know, as you alluded to a little there. What this is all about really is that Apple recently just published a letter of defiance, essentially. Uh, explaining why they don't want to help the U.S. government hack their phones, hack their software. What happened is that, you know, if you don't know the backstory, uh, you know, in San Bernardino over a year ago, uh, I think the gunman's name was Saeed Farouk. Is that right? Yep. Uh, You know, uh, this was a homegrown terrorist. uh, Killed about 14 people when he shot up a San Bernardino army outpost, I think it was. And the government's been trying to get into his iPhone. He had a government-issued iPhone because he worked for the government. And it's an iPhone 5, and there's a security feature on the phone to prevent somebody from forcing their way into it. What it does is, is that you can only have 10 failed password attempts before the phone realizes somebody's trying to you know, break into it, and it automatically deletes all the privacy, all the, the private confidential information. Now, you know, it's a four-digit passcode. That's 9,999 possible uh, you know, number variations to run. So the government can't just guess. You know, They need to be able to bypass the software so that way they could run as many combinations as needed to access the phone without it getting everything deleted. Now, on the front, that doesn't sound too crazy. It's like, hey, we got this guy. We know for sure he's a terrorist. We know he communicated with outside terrorists and he got terrorist help. We just want you to help us find out who he was talking to. So I mean, when you put it in that framing, let's help Right. But what they're asking for is a technological skeleton key, with air quotes, per se. They want a tool so that they can bypass the encryption software that was developed so that it couldn't be bypassed. So the government's like, hey, give us this tool so that we can have access to anybody's iPhone at any moment that we choose to. But don't worry. We'll only use it in you know, the cases where absolutely necessary. So we've come to this age-old argument where you know, technology and privacy have become so intertwined. You know, the government has a legit cause to want to break into this phone, but in order to break into this phone, they're essentially breaking into everybody's phone. Mm-hmm. So now we're at this crux where Apple literally, you know, they published a, an open letter, Tim Cook, their CEO, a letter to the public, what's essentially uh, trying to put almost the government on blast. For lack of a better way of putting it, you know, they're really going to the court of public opinion to strongly influence how people are going to feel about this. You know, the privacy laws being broken and everything like that. So it's a really, really interesting dynamic we're going to see play out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've got some strong feelings about it on uh, on both ends. Well, What are your thoughts, Matt?
0: Yeah, I mean, Tim Cook basically said that you know they're asking the same engineers who design the software in order to keep its users safe. Uh, from hackers and from other, uh, you know, pi- uh, privacy um, um, theft experts, uh, hackers, etc. Uh, they're asking the same engineers to go now and create a way in which they can bypass that encryption. Uh, and, and it's just unprecedented, you know, for a, for a government to reach out to a private organization and say, hey, uh, you're going to need to give us the key and in order to do that, you're, we understand that you have to create something that doesn't exist,
1: and that's exactly what we want you to do. Um, well, let's not say it's unprecedented for government. Let's just say it's unprecedented for the American government.
0: Yes, it's unprecedented for the American government to do that. And you know, and now you have guys, um, you know, the CEO of Google um, stepping up and uh, and standing with Apple as well as, as far as some of these other tech, technology companies um, finally coming to back uh, with Apple and um, even. <clears throat> even the ex uh, head of the NSA uh, had come out and said that uh, you know that that Comey asking for this uh, for Apple to do this is is, is, is an invasion of, of privacy and, and kind of and pretty much unconstitutional to ask for this kind of power uh, to get into there as well I mean you're, you're talking about nowadays, Everybody has everything from their bank accounts to um, their uh, health information yeah, to- you use
1: e-wallet, you've got your credit cards, you've I mean, got everything it, yeah, on Yeah, I mean it
0: goes on and on and on and on and it's like the equivalent of getting into your personal vault, I mean that's what it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you don't even think about it, but you, your phone's basically a, you know, a chronic log of your entire life. Everywhere you've gone, guess what, it's being geo-tracked and pinged on cell phone towers. So whenever your phone's on and it's connected to the network, your movements are being historically chronicled and saved by Apple. So, you know, know, there's a crime committed, guess what? They can find your phone and they can figure out exactly where you were and exactly where you went at specific times based on cell phone towers, pinging your phone. Every call you've ever made, every text message you've ever sent, every email you've ever sent. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I mean, we're talking years back. This data is basically mined so that it's all there for whoever gets ripe. The picking, so we're at this really dangerous scenario now, where you know before identity theft, it was a very convoluted scheme of like faking documents and filling out forms, but it was all based on this you know concept that like you've got to produce actual physical materials in order to you know fraudulently deceive somebody. Now you just need access to their phone, Mm -hmm. and you basically you have their identity, you have their history, you have very very intimate knowledge of this person and their daily life and their daily workings. So we're kind of at this tipping point, I think, where, you know, the government clearly wants this tool and the public kind of doesn't want to give it to them. But if there was another major incident, like let's say another 9-11, I think that could dramatically shift and you'd see the government get access to this tool, don't you think?
0: yeah and and I don't think it would take another nine eleven. I mean, how many people died in nine eleven over three thousand people? I think that it would be less than that. I think that after Paris, you know what was that a hundred people um, died in all combined of those attacks, the theater being the worst one. Um, 14 people in San Bernardino, and uh, you already have people that just jump right out and say, "Give it to them." Apple is a traitor for not giving them this information. Uh, this is something that is necessary in order to protect the American people from terrorists. And without this, uh, without the the FBI having the ability to do this, uh, our national security is weakened. And I say. Crap to all of that because the fact of the matter is, is that 114 people uh, died, and, and, and uh, two million people, or however many iPhone users, shouldn't have to worry about their own security uh, for uh, that small number of people. In, uh, in 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 when you put it into perspective, right? When you back up and you really look at this, this is a little bit about proportionality, right? Um, how many people need to be um, inconvenienced or afflicted? Uh, to help a small amount of people. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I know I answered like a couple of your questions here. One, I think that okay. I one, I think it's going to only take a matter of a couple hundred people dying, and I think people will roll over and a slightly get...
1: a slightly larger scale of time. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then and, and not three thousand. And then the other side of it is, I think it's ridiculous to sit there and say that it is necessary to uh, infringe upon the privacy of that many people in order to protect such a small handful of something that might happen and has yet to access to this information, has yet to stop directly a terrorist attack. So I don't think that it's really that necessary in the grand scheme of how we need to fight these terrorists.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think that Apple recently announced it's sold over a billion iPhones. So you'd be giving, you know, the government the ability to hack a billion phones. It's like hack the planet, basically. It's an obscene amount of power. And that's where the the crux of this really lies, is how much power is too much power? Should anyone ever have access to these, you know, skeleton keys, these super tools, let's call it. You know, in our system of government, even with, like, the CIA or the FBI, there is a system of checks and balances set up with, you know, oversight committees uh, in Congress and the Senate and stuff like that, so that nobody's just operating with impunity. I, yeah, I know the CIA's got like their black budget and stuff like that, and there's you know uh, national defense uh, organizations that probably aren't even on the budget that we don't know about operating with impunity. That's to be assumed on like a, a smaller scale, but for like a major organization like the FBI or the CIA to be a, given a tool that gives them carte blanche to know anything whenever they want and whenever they want based on what they choose to be a critical issue. That's ultimately the crux, because having access to this one phone doesn't mean that you know the government's instantly gonna be going through a billion iPhones to find out everything they wanna know about these people. But what it does is it sets a dangerous precedent where they now have the tools to do that if for whatever reason they choose to do so. So it becomes thinking about down the line what this could mean, like in the short term, all this would do is hack this one phone and probably help us in the short run find out more about this terrorist network the help this guy got you know it even could theoretically help prevent another terrorist attack but what it would do is it would change the scope of privacy in america where you're only ever having the illusion of it now because we know the government now has the tools to know whatever they want whenever they want if they so choose to and what we found is whenever you give anybody those tools they use them whether or not you know or not besides the point those tools are only invented to be used
0: well edward snowden proved that they of use course. them
1: yeah you, there, there's no point building something to not use it right there's a reason why uh you know they talked about like the nuclear bomb test i forget to the philosopher was but he's like after the first test what was the point right you know it's almost like well if we're going to build it we're going to use it because that's why we're building it you know if you know it works then there's no point using it over and over again but well, if, if you're going to build it, that's the whole point—to use it over and over. Let again. me
0: throw this one at you: Should we be happy that the government brought this out in the was full transparency, just saying, just putting the pressure on Apple, saying, "Hey, we want you to build this"? Instead of getting their freaking wise guys, uh, you know, crackers and inside the government to go ahead and start to build to do this and and and, and spend the resources on in some black ops. I mean, that you would need cyber like, thing. You would
1: need like because
0: no encryption is unbreakable,
1: right? But here's the thing. They would spend a long time freaking doing this? Probably there's probably like a limited number of engineers at Apple, you know, who know the extensive details behind cracking the security code. There's probably like a few key parts that you have to basically be part of the, you know, mm-hmm. engineer integration right. team at Apple to know this. So now you're talking about, who knows, fifty, a hundred, a few hundred people. Well now you either have to have a mole inside Apple, or you have to essentially illegally blackmail one of these engineers to provide you with this information i mean think about if that got out that the u.s government blackmailed an apple engineer to hack the iphone so they could spy on everyone this is the type of story that could like bring governments down i mean this is uh you know watergate 2.0 times a thousand like the, the reverberations from a story like that would be so powerful that i think the fbi and the government realized that's a very very dangerous road to go down. We need to lean on Apple and get them to help us. Mm-hmm. And Apple called their bluff in this game of chicken and said, "Hey, we're going to let the people know about it and you know, we'll let the we'll let the public decide." Right. And I think the government realized really fast that tilted the scales in Apple's favor. You know, the court of public opinion is still siding with privacy over security because the security threat isn't that great. Right. You know, if there was if there was terrorist attacks here, like they've been in France over the last few years, this would have been done in a day. Oh yeah, it wouldn't be Apple publishing a letter. Apple would have been like, "Yep, yeah, here you go." Well, look at what France did. I mean, France, like you know, they—they're culturally very is very different than us. They, though, they right?
0: declared that to emergency order and you know basically raided, just turned it up, just raided everybody in, in
1: Paris. I mean, when you're getting terrorist attacks like that on that scale, you're dealing with you know an entirely different situation. I mean, the influx of. Uh, you know, Muslim refugees to Europe, it's very different than the United States. You can't just like walk across the border here unless you're in Canada or Mexico first. So if you're across 5,000 miles of sea, it's a much, much more difficult uh, you know prospect for uh, foreign bound terrorists to come to the United States nowadays. Right. It's very, very difficult. You look over the last 10 years, almost all our terrorist incidents since 9-11 have been homegrown terrorists. Because it's really, really difficult to get here if your name's Mohammed Faid and you're from, you know, like Syria, homegrown terrorist. We need to figure out who was helping them outside of America. So, you know, we're trying to basically destabilize a very small terrorist network. So there is basically, in my opinion, at least, reasonable cause for the FBI to want to do this. It's just the way they're going about it. It's the wrong way. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're putting ourselves at risk in the long run for a very short term game in theoretical security
0: mm-hmm. because we
1: don't even know if this is going to prevent a terrorist attack or give us information that's going to really help anything. It could, but right now it's all theoretical. Mm-hmm. But we know for a fact that if we created this tool, it would destabilize privacy like we've never seen before in the oh, entire On a mass scale. On a mass scale. I mean, we already know the Snowden stuff, but this would really like ratchet up to a point where. You know, even the illusion of privacy is gone, let's say. Right. You know, the, the thin veneer that there might be some ability to, you know, yeah, keep, keep your own, your own your, things big digitally. Your brother is watching, right? Exactly. A friend of mine who used to be in IT, he said, there's only one way to keep your computer safe. And I said, what's that? He said, unplug it from the internet. <laughs> that, that's the only way to keep it safe. If you have, like, a computer that's only hooked up to a power, you know, supply, it's got no Ethernet, no Wi-Fi card, no nothing, you're probably pretty safe. As soon as that thing's hooked up to the internet, it doesn't matter. You can have McAfee, you can have Norton, you can have this, you can have that, you can have a router, you can have you know, a firewall. Yikes. You can get hacked in a split second, <laughs> so easily in so many ways, it's scary. So we, we normally operate with this illusion of security, but this is pulls back the uh, you know the magician's cape. Yeah. Uh, you know the Wizard of Oz's cloak, so mm-hmm. to speak. Really, you have to see what's happening here. So. You know, the implications of what's going on here are almost unprecedented. I think something we were talking about before was that it's using this old Ritz Act of 1789. Yeah, 227-year-old law. Yeah, it's a, and that's George an George Washington saw, signed this law, right? Yep, probably was, you know, growing hemp and owning slaves while he did it too. But uh, this act basically gave federal court the authority to issue writs, which are court orders, that are, quote, necessary or appropriate in aid of their respective jurisdictions— and agreeable to the usages and principles of law. Long story short, the government can use this act to make it easier to unlock your iPhone. <laughs> that's pretty much the basis of it. And they can extend this breach of privacy and basically demand that Apple build software to help them surveil you. So that's where it becomes even slipperier now. It's like not only are you going to you know, use this to issue writs, you're going to use it to have a private corporation right software to help them surveil their own users
0: right isn't it basically where they can create laws in order to overcome new and unforeseen obstacles in a way that's kind of the way that the law
1: is, what it's kind of all about
0: in in a way
1: yeah because they're not doing it legislatively it's not actually rule of law it's basically allowing them to interpret the law in a way where they can say hey you know apple you need to help us intercept messages and track your users. Instead of saying, "Hey, we should have to have Congress pass a law to give us, you know, the permission to do this," uh-huh. they're saying, "No, there's already a law in the books. Might be 220 years old. We're going to interpret that law in this way." Right. You know, just like George Bush's famous uh, I forget the the guy. I think he was a Stanford law professor, conservative guy, but he wrote that famous memo uh, that basically authorized torture. Because if you can have a lawyer write a legal paper saying torture is justified, it's not tortured. So if you can have a lawyer write a paper saying this all writs Act gives us permission to spy on everybody, you're not spying on everybody. That's the weird thing about the American system of government. It's like as long as you can bribe or pressure a lawyer to write you a piece of paper, you can pretty much get away with murder in this country. That's how it works. That's how the game's played. All you need is one lawyer. You know, I think it was John... Was it John Wu? Like the... Like the, like the like the film director or something like that, it was the uh, the Stanford Law professor hmm. or whatever who helped uh, you know Bush write his famous paper that authorized waterboarding as not being you know something that was to be deemed torture. Oh, no, it's not cruel and unusual to and I'm, and I'm not even know, your I'm, I'm not even saying whether or not we should <laughs> torture people because honestly that's another slippery slope argument. There are situations where I could theoretically come up with that you could totally justify the use of torture. but to write a law paper, that says torture, something that is torture isn't torture, and then that's a law just because somebody wrote it on a piece of paper? That's the craziest thing with me at all. Like a lawyer is just a person, it's another human being, his own perspectives and ideas. Can How, be influenced in the same way. Why does one person's ability to write something on a piece of paper hold more credence than anybody else's? You know what I mean? We usually give more credence to people who have more intelligence, they have more understanding of the world. But not like this, not like, hey, this one guy decided that, yep, you can chop off this guy's fingers and it's all good because, you know, he said so. Uh-huh. So we're really going down a dangerous path when we're allowing, you know, the FBI to loosely interpret 200 plus year old acts to spy on us. That's really another part of the really dangerous slippery slope I think we're going down is, you know, we're looking for ways to justify whatever we're doing. Instead of taking the proper route like Tim Cook outlined in his letter, which is legislative, you know, go to Congress. Tell them, you know, you need to expand our authority. Well, they aren't going to do that because nobody would prove that. Well, They're looking the to justify problem, right? whatever that's they can. That's the biggest
0: problem. What Tim Cook has done is Tim Cook is taking it to the masses so we can have a conversation about whether or not this is okay. Instead of making uh, the, the decision in some back room somewhere... Uh, with a handshake saying yeah yeah okay we'll, we'll decide this for our customers He's letting the customers decide it for him because ultimately without the customers apple doesn't exist without the people the government doesn't exist right but they've lost sight of that they've lost sight of what their actual mandate is their mandate isn't to is to protect yes to protect its citizens but what's happened is is that we've we've, we've, we've Perverted this notion of protecting the citizens to only mean from external threats outside of the United States uh, that are that look different than us that are going to inflict harm upon us through warfare and these other means. Well, what about the same freaking time about protecting the citizens from the same people
1: who are looking to protect us, but it's really not with our best interest in mind? It's like uh, one of my uh, you know favorite graphic novels, terrible movie, but great graphic novel, Watchmen, kind of the. Uh One of the overriding themes and stories in the book is who watches the watchmen. And the watchmen are, you know, this group of vigilant superheroes that come up to, you know, clean up the crime and then the bad guys and this and that. But the overriding theme is, well, who watches those people? Who oversees the overseers? Because the overseers don't want to be watched. That's why they're doing this in the first place. I mean, like you said, the reason Tim Cook wrote this letter in the first place was to put it in the court Of public opinion. yeah, Because there's a system of checks and balances. Which is the only court that really matters, especially in situations of privacy. Yeah, there's a system of checks and balances. And I mean, what Tim Cook suggested is what the government should have done in the first place, which is you need to basically lean for legislative action to get this done. But the government knows they'll never get legislative action passed. So now they're looking to circumvent the checks and balances. Hey, let's have a lawyer reinterpret some age-old law so we can do whatever we want. That's how we'll bypass this." And Apple's like, you know what, your memo's not good enough. Not, not gonna do it for us. Tell not you what, tell you what, when you have a subpoena for us, that's when we'll do something for it. Because Apple, they claim that, you know, they've complied with every subpoena so far. Right, and they've had a lot of them. Yeah, you know, they've provided every bit of information that the government's asked for, uh, you know, search warrants, ballot subpoenas but you can't make the engineers hack themselves without just cause. You really can't do it. And I, I think Tim Cook understood that, that if you went to the court of public opinion that it would take some, you know, 9-11 2.0 type act to generate the public outcry for them to ever need to make something like this. Because it's just too dangerous a slippery slope to even consider going down. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be in Brave New World or 1984 or anything in between, where technology is used to enslave us against ourselves. You know, it's supposed to enhance our lives, bring us closer together. Uh, Unfortunately, there's nefarious people out there who are always going to use technology for, you know, purposes that it wasn't intended and most people aren't a fan of. So we need to figure out how we can balance those things. You know, how can we utilize technology in a way that's going to serve the interests of everyone, not just the government? Mm-hmm. Because the government's only going to be concerned with you know how is this a threat and what can we do to have control of the threat, you know there needs to be a delicate balancing act between the two. Otherwise, the more we create this advanced technology, the more that it's going to be used to enslave us. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, and we have to we have to be very very careful with allowing something that seems uh, so minuscule and so um, benign um, on its surface. Like because like again like when you talk about this. Uh, case and you talk about this one particular phone and you're in, in, in superficially you're like oh okay yeah it makes a lot of sense. You start digging a little bit deeper and you really start to uh, expand upon the scope um, that this actually touches uh, by opening up this one door is on a massive scale that, that we've never seen before uh, to be able to access this data. And again, it's not just worrying about the government. Once we have a crack and chink in the armor, anybody else that knows that that chink exists can figure out ways and work tirelessly in order to exploit that chink, right? So it's not just the government that then we would have to worry about about you know spying on us and and creating these new laws, reaching back into the history 200 plus years to 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 pull out these obscure laws to uh, to create um, new methods to uh, to control uh, us in, in different ways. Um, but we'd also have to worry about. Um, These tireless hacker groups from uh, all across the the world working and working tirelessly to get into our phones and and capture all of this data that we carry around in our pocket with us every day. I think we we also downplay, like we talked about before, how much we actually have
1: on our phone. When you think about it, we're so involved with our phones. It's literally like having a microchip implanted in your body. You have your phone on you all the time day, or at least it's near you, if it's not on you, it might as well be surgically embedded in your body. And since it's tracking your movements via GPS pinging off cell cell towers, your entire life is being live streamed through this phone. And all of
0: your communication. I would say the majority of our communication now with the fact that we use social media and other um, communication outlets on our phone as well, um, other than just texting and talking, we're probably at like 98 plus percent of all communication is pushed through that device. Yeah. How much of your actual communication is
1: face to face communication these days? I mean, I still have a good amount, but I know what you mean. Like the world's gone digital. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I'm saying, but you, you do have a considerable amount of, of it, but in the grand scheme of, of, of things, you're probably using your cell phone most of the time for your communication. So what I'm what I'm getting at is that everything is on there, and if you allow them just to get into it and have access to all this stuff, um, carte blanche, then you, you're, you're literally you're literally being documented and 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 cataloged your entire life from birth till death, and we're already like we're we're we already have enough of that. <laughs>
1: I mean the security implications when you think about what Snowden everybody revealed everybody has what, a social security number. Because what Snowden revealed and what most people don't even pay attention to or know was that, you know, he pointed out in an interview a few months ago that they have the capabilities to turn on your phone's microphone remotely even when your phone's off. They could turn on your phone's camera, your video feed even when it's off. So think about that. If they have the ability the skeleton key jailbreak their way into anybody's phone that means they could go into anybody's phone in the world and remotely turn on the microphone and video feed and live stream your life from your pocket without your permission or knowledge right that's That's what
0: government periscope that's
1: where we really get like that 1984 type mentality where it's you know the government at any moment can go inside your brain they can go inside your phone see exactly what you're seeing talking to thinking interacting with I mean, the, the data going digital is what was the game changer ultimately, right? When this stuff could get fed into a computer system and they could make sense of it, it's kind of like, how can we trap all this data and make sense of it? Mm-hmm. And this is the perfect tool to do it. You know, they need the ability to access this. That's why they were building those crazy, was four football fields in Utah yeah. where they could store every bit of digital information on the internet yeah, like for the two, next 20 years. Two million square feet. So there's no point building a facility like this unless you want to fill it with data. So, you know, they're already capturing everything on the internet. They want to add personal data to this as well. They want to add private data. They want to have a database where they can look at anything instantly and know anything about anyone if necessary. Why not? You know, because that's the thing. If necessary is the tricky word, right? Because I I, I don't... When
0: does something become
1: necessary? I don't believe that the people in power, the people who want to crack this phone, are evil people or they have nefarious purposes. Some of them might be. Some of them might have that, but I don't think as an overall, it's like the institution's like, we need to break this phone, and then a month from now, everybody's phone, and then a year the world, we have evil domination, it's going to be, no, they're like, we need this information, it's critical, you know, I think you guys are too worried about some crazy 1984 conspiracy theory type thing, you know, we're we're fearful of the slope, because once you start sliding, you can't ever catch yourself, You, you just keep going, and I think we see the cliff, where they see an endless horizon. Right. You know, right. They're, they're, exactly. they're ready to walk off it like a lemming thinking it goes on forever. And we're like, you know, we're, we're about to start sliding and then we're never going to be able to catch ourselves. So uh-huh. we need to do something about it right now. We're at that point. We can see the edge of the cliff and they're looking over the cliff into the horizon. Well, it's
0: interesting too, because it's like, trust us. I know we've given you
1: no reason to trust us, but trust us this time. Yeah. history's shown that... Nobody's ever not abused power when they've had it. So give us power and we won't abuse it. Yes. You this know, time. I, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And you know what? I think that's our ultimate downfall as a species is that we have the ability to learn from the past, yet we never seem to do so. <laughs> we we until did. it's too late. Right. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll wait until we're in full-blown crisis mode and it's too late to do anything. That next terrorist attack that hits... When you know Apple goes, yep, here you go. Here's the back door. We go, whoa, no, don't do it. It's too late. Too late. We, you know, we didn't have this conversation. We didn't draw a line in the sand. And you know, now they have the impetus to make things happen quickly, and it's too late. So it's important we have this discussion. It's important that Tim Cook wrote this letter and got this out to the public court of opinion, so we can yep. literally get this hashed out now before it's too late, because. Nobody knows when the next incident's going to happen. It's guaranteed to happen.
0: I would say that this is probably one of the biggest decisions
1: in the digital age right now. It is. It definitely is. I you know. What's scary to me is just that... Because the, it, it's, it's how, how, how private
0: do we believe our privacy is and how much reach are we willing to give the government?
1: I mean... Uh, Stop me from being crazy here. Maybe I am. But I mean, I ultimately believe that if the government already, yeah, <laughs> God, you could going to stop me right when I started talking. But if the government wasn't able to get this from Apple, you know, they aren't able to win the court of public opinion and have a court order issued for Apple to help them hack themselves. I think they would go wrong. They would put a mole. They would extort an engineer to have this tool. And then they just wouldn't tell anybody. But no matter what, I firmly believe the government's like, we're going to get what we want, whether the public wants us to have it or not. That's their mentality. Wow. And that's what we really need to change, where the government respects the mentality of the people, where they're not willing to overstep their boundaries on the, we know what's best for you, so don't tell us what's best for you. You're not our nanny. You're not our parents. You're not our owner. You're us. We are the government. So if we don't have respect for each other, you don't deserve to be in that position of power. So you know we really, really need to work on that mindset of where We're not looking for the bypass. We're looking for the checks and balances. We're looking for the legislative solution. The government's the one that goes to the court of public opinion and writes a letter to us telling us why we should do this. And then Apple doesn't need to release a letter to stop it. It's like the government's going to spit it out there and the public can react and see fit to it at that time instead of this big pushback where it's like they've been trying to do it without our knowledge and now Apple has to put them on blast. Seems crazy.
0: Yeah, it does seem crazy, and it also seems crazy just to touch on a point that you had made is that, you know, James Comey's pursuit of this has been pretty insatiable. Like, you know, since the, the the attacks in Paris, it's been encryption, encryption, we need to get into this stuff, we need to get into this stuff, and, and, and we need to see the data, and this is a huge, huge, uh, you know, uh, uh, point for us, of, of, of contention for us, a huge bl- of roadblock for us in, in our pursuit
1: of terrorism and it's that sounds nefarious to me actually
0: it's pretty pretty to me it's pretty telling it seems
1: that it seems desperate to me yeah you know it's a a fitting historical analogy would almost be like you know the trojan horse because that's almost what he's using this case as is is like here's this perfect instance where you should let us in Right, you know, but that's not really what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. It feels very very um Contrived, opportunistic, opportunistic yeah, right? Yes,
1: exactly. Like if this, even if this hadn't happened, something tells me. Like yeah. the last
0: one was first. It was Paris, and then they were like freaking hammering that shit. And then all of a sudden, now it's San Bernardino, and they actually have a phone that they want to get into, um, and they need this backdoor built. And now it's even more. It's even more. The need is even is greater, and it's it's like they're salivating even more. Like the stake is bigger right now. That they're like, yes, we can get it this time and it, it's almost desperate
1: to a a a fault where you're like it eh, makes me make me question your motive on it it's the opportunism where you really kind of get that bad taste in your mouth because that's the thing you get that feeling from hearing him speak and reading uh, you know his releases that this is a tool they've always wanted They're just looking for the instances where now they can justify the request. Right. So they always wanted the skeleton key. They just knew they could never ask for it because it was completely unjustified. So as soon as the incidents happen where they can ask for justification, they're doing backflips. Because right. like, this perfect opportunity, well, this is what we always wanted, and now there's the perfect case where we can say now we can justify giving us this tool. And isn't this the the extension of all of
0: those projects that the
1: NSA had the whistle
0: blown on by known like Prism and all those things? Yeah, this is just an extension of that. Like you don't, this isn't in isolation. If people just just step back for a second and look at it, you're like, okay, they gather the data here, but now they can they what they really wanted
1: is they just want to get in. They want to be able to get in and they want to be able to get in whenever they want. It's a digital intelligence octopus. It's got its tentacles wrapped around everything and it's hugging it closer and pulling it into its blood right. And sucking. Right, this is like campaign. the spear. Exactly. This is the spear point for them to get their grip on everything. But like you said, it's part of a bigger program, PRISM, You know, exploiting digital technology security uh, loopholes and things like that. This has been going on for a while and irregardless of what happens here. I think we're going to see a lot of developments in this. I just hope we can keep this conversation going. You know, it's something that in our modern thank news you cycle, Tim Cook. Thank you Tim Cook. Really, you know, he, he that was very courageous of him and Apple to take that stand because you know we know historically other companies have rolled over and given the government the data whenever they've asked for it. Right. And Apple said, you know what, Where the people do have the right to weigh. In. You, you, you've gone a little too far. You guys have already gone too far, but this time we're going to draw a line in the sand. So you know. For me, I think we should stand with Tim Cook, draw the line in the sand, and at least have this conversation. If we're going to go sliding off the cliff, I want to at least know I'm falling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to look up and say, "Huh, wh- wh- why is the ground appearing faster than it normally does, lower than me?" You know, right. like let's at least know what we're getting into head first. So we can approach the future with our eyes open, know where we're going. Listen, we're reasonable people. We need to
0: have a constructive debate about things that affect all of us in such a grand scale.
1: And if you're going to walk off a cliff, that's fine. If you know you're going to walk off a cliff, you can have a wingsuit or a parachute on. You might survive the fall. But if you just think everything's going to be great and you're walking on this endless horizon, you're going to go splat. Truly. For sure. Any parting thoughts, Mr. Walter?
0: My parting thoughts are is that I'm going to get outside because I cannot
1: see a cloud in the sky right now. Blue skies, sunny days. It's a beautiful thing, my friend. Let's get out there and enjoy this wonderful world. Let's do it. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Peace and love as usual. Out. Peace.